Hello. <laughs> Welcome to service. What you just saw is actually a true story. A few years ago, uh, in Turkey, 400 sheep uh, committed what I like to call sheep aside by jumping off a uh, 45-foot cliff into a ravine. It all started because one sheep fell off the side and the rest of the sheep followed suit. And so, I think it goes without saying, you better be careful who you're following. This semester, we have spent talking about being refreshed. And we focused on Psalms 23. And I realized that after tonight, we will have covered a whopping two verses this semester. Yes. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. We've talked about our shepherd, who he is and what he does. We've talked about being content in a world that is never content. We've talked about submitting our bodies and our wills to the Lord. Last week we talked about resting in the midst of busyness, and tonight we're going to talk about God's leading. Last week we talked that the shepherd goes before us and prepares green pastures, he prepares rest for us. And he doesn't just prepare pastures for us, he leads us to those pastures. Uh, sometimes I think when we envision our good shepherd leading us, we imagine that our life is going to be, well, all good, right? Everything is going to go smoothly. And then when life is not all good, we begin doubting God's caring, His wisdom, His ability to lead. And then we question if He's actually leading us at all. We've talked a lot about sheep facts this semester. Tonight, we're going to talk about some God facts. And the first God fact I want you to know is that God is always leading. You see it throughout the Bible. There's never a time that the Lord goes absent. We may not see it, but He is leading. You see, that is who God is. He created rest. He's a leader. We're a lot uh, less concrete than the Lord. We tend to get easily distracted and we get lost because we stop following God's leading in our lives. We'll deal a little bit more with that later. Second God fact. Only God is good. This is something that Jesus said to the rich young ruler. Only God is good. Once again, this is God's nature. He is love. He is good. Students, our view of life cannot be determined on whether or not it's good. Goodness is found in God alone not in our circumstances. 
our good shepherd doesn't just lead us to meadows, but he's also leading us from meadow to meadow in our lives. He's still leading us in the dry and desolate places. David would have understood this when he wrote the 23rd Psalms, being a shepherd himself. He would have taken his sheep from meadow to meadow. But beyond that, David also would have known the stories of his people. How the Lord led the Hebrews out of slavery in Egypt and took them to the promised land. They were led by Moses, who also happened to be a shepherd. And we see in the Bible that the Hebrews spent more than 400 years in captivity. I don't know about you, but when I hear someone being in slavery, I don't think of a green meadow. And it sure didn't seem for 400 years that the Lord was leading them much of anywhere. Yet we have to remember what we talked about last week. That the shepherd goes before us and prepares a pasture so that we will have what we need for moments of rest. God is not going to lead us into the desert without first preparing places of refreshing for us along the way. We get impatient thinking that God doesn't care or He's abandoned us when we don't seem to be moving forward immediately. When the reality is the shepherd is doing what a shepherd does and that's preparing the way for a sheep. And so that brings us to the next God fact for the night. The Lord's leading even when we're not moving. Lord's leading even when we're not moving. See, I think a lot of times as humans, we depend on our senses a lot to determine the realities around us. See, what we think, see, feel, we believe to be the truth. You walk into a kitchen or somewhere and you smell that warm pumpkin spice scent. You think there has to be a pie in there or some girl that has a pumpkin spice latte. Something like that. Or Keenan, yes, very true. In the dark, you feel around looking for a cup of water. A lot of times when we see something, it helps us to know that it's real. I think they like to say seeing is believing. You see in the Bible, the Apostle Thomas he says to the other disciples, I'll only believe when I see Jesus with my own eyes. But the truth is, you can't always believe what you see. Alex, if you've ever been to a Chi Alpha party, Alex occasionally cracks out his deck of cards, likes to perform some tricks. I try to keep up with him. I try to watch him. I think I know what he's doing, and over and over again, I am proved wrong. Ever since my wife has started cooking healthy, she proves me wrong many, many times. I'll walk in, I'm like, oh, sweet, we got mashed potatoes tonight, excellent. I'll eat them, they're good, and then halfway through, she's like, yeah, that's cauliflower. Okay, I'm still going to eat it, that's not going to stop me. Seeing 
is not always believing in our lives. What we see is limited. It's limited by our knowledge. It's limited by our perspective. We only see a small amount of what's going on. And it's limited by time. If it's not happening in the moment, it must not be happening. See, the truth goes beyond our limited senses and has to be found in God alone. Last week, like I mentioned, uh, God tends to remind me that I only see things from a human perspective. Even when it seems like God isn't leading us anywhere, He's leading. And many times, He's leading by preparing a meadow that has rest and resources for the journey ahead. See, a good leader doesn't just march his army out with a, without a plan. A good shepherd doesn't take his sheep out without a place to go or the resources to get them there. Just because we can't see what the Lord is doing doesn't change this truth that He is still leading. For 400 years, God's people were slaves in Egypt. Their work, their labor built up the wealth of Egypt that made it into one of the richest countries in the ancient world. Does that seem fair to you? I'm sure there are many times they were disappointed. I'm sure they felt like the Lord was absent and He wasn't leading them anywhere for a long time. And yet, when we look in the Bible, it says when it was time for them to go, they took the treasures of Egypt with them. They took the clothes, they took the silver, they took the gold, they took whatever they asked for the Egyptians gave to them. And so for 400 years, the Hebrews were building up treasure in Egypt. There's no way they could have known that they were building up treasure. There's no way that they, were, they knew that they were building up supplies for the journey to the promised land. They couldn't see it, but God still had a plan. And so, was there heartache? Yes. Was there pain? Absolutely. Was there loss? No doubt. That's the stuff that's easy to see. What's not easy to see is the fact that God is preparing a place for us. And He's going to give us the resources we need for the journey ahead. Jesus told us that I will go and prepare a place for you. We may not be able to see Jesus or the place that He's preparing, but He's doing it. And He will lead us there. A few verses later, you see in the Bible, it says that the night they left Egypt had been reserved by the Lord to bring them out. This was 
plan, folks. This was on God's calendar. Years and years ahead, He reserved that night to take His people out of that land. You may be in captivity right now. You may be in a dry place. But let me tell you, God's got a plan. God's got a date on the calendar that He's going to take you out of captivity and lead you to where He wants you to go. Believe. Hope. Hope is knowing that in God's time, He will do what He has said what He will do. To get us where we are, to where Jesus wants us to go, that brings us to another God fact. The Lord is going to lead us through a desert. The Lord is going to lead us through a desert. The journey to the promised land goes through a desert, folks. I know we all want to skip it, and we just want to end up in that place. I feel like a lot of times we're like my daughter Taylor, that whenever we go to visit Nana and Papa in Springfield, she asks one million times on the way down, are we there yet? Are we there yet? We just left Columbia. No, we're not there yet. Watch Frozen for the 50th time. No. Why can't we just be there already, Daddy? Because, Taylor, to get there, we have to go through Jeff City. we got to go through Lake of the Ozarks. We then got to go to Lebanon, and then we'll get to Springfield to visit your grandparents. It's part of our journey. We're often like Taylor. We think Jesus setting us free is the destination, but folks, it's only the beginning of the journey. Salvation is a great start in our life, but that is not where we were meant to stay. To get where God wants us to go, the Good Shepherd is going to take us through the desert. And if we're honest with ourselves, none of us, we, we aren't looking forward to it. We don't want to go through the desert. We like the start of the journey. It kind of feels good. Ah, I know Jesus now. Sweet. And then you know the end. Oh, I'm in heaven. This is awesome too. Cool. It's everything in between that we fight against. Walking in the desert offends our human nature. As humans, we don't like to be in pain. I don't like it when it's super, super hot. I'm just going to be honest. I don't like being uncomfortable. I don't like being sweaty. I don't like being, I don't like having my feet hurt. And in that moment, when we're in that desert place, a question creeps into our heads. Being set free is great, but is it worth the pain we have to endure in the desert? That's the question that the Hebrews struggled with the moment they left Egypt. See, not long after they were set free, the Hebrews began to complain about having to be in the desert. I mean, we're talking like literally three days after they left, they were complaining. And then three months after they left, we see they were complaining. And they begin to talk about the good times in slavery. They would talk about all the free meat 
they could eat and the vegetables that they could have. Life was so easy in captivity. Students, the farther away we get from a situation, the less reliable our memory becomes. Especially when we're in a desert and not in a green meadow. We tend to remember the good and completely forget all the bad. I'm just going to be honest with you. Doesn't Kai Alpha long enough? I have seen couples, and no one in this room, not saying anyone here, but I have seen couples who have had disastrous relationships. Like, we're talking Titanic, explosions, Michael Bay. <laughs> Horrible! That everyone and their mom and them, in the moment, they see and they break up. But as time goes on, they forget how bad things really were. And then they go back and they remember the one okay thing. Not good. Just eh. And they ignore all the rest. And somehow they end up back together. And it's still a horrible idea. This is a bad idea, whether it's relationships or in our spiritual lives. When you are set free, stay free. The Hebrews were willing to return to slavery so that they could have a little comfort. Students, don't sacrifice your freedom that the Lord has given to you for a little satisfaction today. Also, in the desert, we struggle with this uh, idea of preconceived notions. How things should be. Too often we are impatient with how long we have to be in the wilderness. See, for the Hebrews, their journey from Egypt to the Promised Land should have taken a few weeks. Even with, we're like, talking a couple million people walking and like a couple million sheep and all their stuff with them. And I don't think they were ignorant to the fact that it shouldn't have taken that long. And yet, we see in the Bible that it took several months to make it to the edge of the promised land the first time. And then 40 years before it was all said and done. Preconceived notions are one of the biggest reason, reasons Christians struggle with their walk with Jesus. It should be this way. Why isn't it happening? But I thought Jesus would provide for my needs in this specific manner. We feel let down by God when things don't work out the way we planned, and all of a sudden, captivity starts looking pretty good. sacrifice your freedom brings us to the next God fact the Lord's leading always has a purpose students the desert doesn't lead to death it leads to God's supernatural provision in your life despite what I think the fastest way is not the best way. Just because I can get Taco Bell 
faster than making a T-bone steak, it will never make Taco Bell better than a T-bone steak. In a society that values quick consumption, we always equate quicker to better. Kind of goes with last week's message on rest. Instant access to people, to internet, apps that help us get stuff done quicker, fast food that doesn't make us healthier. All these things help us to get stuff done quicker to do more stuff. And it sure doesn't seem to help people rest. This applies to where Jesus is leading us to. The Hebrews knew where they, would, where they started. They knew where they were going to end up. The same is true for you and me. We start at salvation. We will end up in eternity with God. It's not how fast we get there. It's what we learn along the way. See, the Lord didn't lead the Hebrews on the shortest route to the promised land. Exodus 13, 17, and 18 says, If the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a a roundabout way through the wilderness towards the Red Sea. Thus the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. See, God was preparing his people for battle. Eventually, when they got to the promised land, they were going to have to fight to take possession. At this moment, they looked like an army, but they weren't an army yet. See, what God is preparing you for takes time. Some things in your life take maturity. You may look ready. You may think you're ready. But only God knows when you're ready. And where He leads us, no matter how long it takes, it will make us ready for the battle that's to come. See, the Good Shepherd isn't going to take us out of the promised land, excuse me, take us to the promised land until we are prepared to take it by force. If we had come in too much confrontation, it might cause us to run back to slavery because it's easier. And you see, just like it's not always about getting to the destination fastest, fastest, the Lord isn't going to lead us without providing those green meadows along the way. It's not just about getting there. It's about getting there healthy. Being burned out Being malnourished, physically and spiritually tired, does not equate health. And the shepherd knows this. You see, whenever I have read the story of the Hebrews in the desert a million times, and whenever I would read this story about them wandering in the desert for 40 years, I kind of got it in my head that they were perpetually walking the whole time. But as I studied for tonight's message, I realized that that wasn't the case. You see, during their 40-year journey, they had at least 50 stops along the way. Green meadows where people would be refreshed and rest for a while 
before their journey continued again. See, even when they were in sin, the Lord still led them to green meadows. Places that He had already prepared ahead of time for His sheep. That's a comforting fact, students. In the desert where we feel that we're wandering, we can trust that our shepherd is going to lead us to another green meadow because he knows where to go. And if you're taking notes, put a little star next to this one. The pasture is a temporary place, not our permanent home. The pasture is a temporary place, not our permanent home. I love times of refreshing. They are wonderful experiences, but there is a temptation to remain in that meadow, whether it is physically or mentally, when the shepherd tells us it's time to move on. My, one of my favorite Bible characters is the prophet Elijah. If you look in his story, he had a great victory over the prophet, false prophets of Baal. Things seem to be going well. And then he gets threatened by the evil queen Jezebel and he runs for the hills. The Bible tells us that he runs out into the wilderness, into the desert, and he tells the Lord, I've had enough. Just let me die. And he falls asleep under a tree. It's in that wilderness that Elijah finds his first meadow. And the story also, I believe, shows that the Lord values rest. He also values eating in the pastures he prepares. See, in that story, God's angel makes Elijah food twice. You also see him sleep twice. And the Bible tells us that in that meadow, he is strengthened by the food and by his rest. And then he leaves and he journeys another 40 days into the wilderness until he reaches his next green pasture, which is the mount of God. And again, we see him sleep. This story is one of the most powerful stories in the Bible. You see Elijah, he is standing on the mountaintop in the presence of God. And God comes by and he hears God's voice in a gentle whisper. In that moment, the Lord speaks truth to Elijah. In that meadow, he speaks truth because lies had gone into his mind that he was the only godly person left. Isn't true. In the meadows, the Lord provides us rest refreshing he restores he reinvigorates us but not to remain in the meadow but to go back to our purpose each and every one of us has a purpose that God has planned and that brings us to the next God fact that the Lord leads us by his spirit 
Exodus 13, 21-22 tells us, the Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud and provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or by night, and the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. You see, students, the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire, they were the physical manifestations of God's presence to His people. We're talking about God's Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Can you imagine seeing that? We're not talking like a little puff of cloud, you know, in the air. We're not talking about a small little tiki torch, okay? These things had to be big enough that over two million people could see them from miles away. And these two verses, they parallel what Jesus says about how the Holy Spirit leads our lives. He goes ahead of us. The Holy Spirit tells us where to go. He guides us. The Holy Spirit's our teacher. He is a position point so we don't get off course. The Lord is our helper. He is a light in the darkness. He tells us the future. He will remain with us. I will not leave you or forsake you. I will send someone. I mean, it would be really, really cool if we all had like a pillar of cloud or a pillar of fire that would guide us around every day. Are we all cool with that? Yes. Would be neat. Probably not most practical. That's a lot of fire rolling around. It's not practical, though, from the standpoint that God is leading each of us in a unique direction to get to His promised land. The destination is the same for all of us, folks. But getting there looks a little bit different. For some of you, that journey means going into the marketplace and being a bright light to those that are lost. For some of you, you may go into ministry or become a missionary in a foreign country. For some of you, and I value this very much, God may call you to be a godly mother, raising godly children. The Lord may ask you to be a helper in a church. I know the journey matters to you, but it really it's, it's the time with Him that matters. See, the Good Shepherd wants to lead His sheep. He wants to lead us by His Holy Spirit. And so practically, practically speaking, how does the Holy Spirit lead in our everyday lives? We're going to, I hate to do stuff like this, but we'll keep it simple here, all right? We'll call it the four P's, all right? You got prayer, you got peace, you got prompt, and you got prophetic. Prayer, peace, prompt, and the prophetic. Start with prayer. We talked a lot about this last week, all right? We talked about it as a way to rest in Jesus throughout the day. Won't spend much time here, but let's make it clear that we can not know where God is leading us 
if we don't communicate with them. See, when the shepherd is moving his sheep from meadow to meadow, he calls out to them, and they have to be listening to him to know where to go. See, the shepherd is always communicating. And it's through the Holy Spirit that our good shepherd is trying to speak to us and communicate with us through prayer. The question is, are we actually listening to him? And so, you got prayer. You got peace. Peace is how the Holy Spirit often speaks to me. I'll be honest, my personality type, I get a little bit anxious. I think I have like a ba- baseline of like stress and anxiety, okay? And I'm not like, I'm not having panic attacks every day or anything like that. But I like getting stuff done and I like doing stuff well. And in turn, that will bring me a little frustration in my life. Over the years, I've in turn learned my baseline, but I've also had to learn what Jesus' baseline is too. You see, Jesus' baseline is peace. He is the Prince of Peace. And so when I'm faced with a tough decision in my life, I ask the Holy Spirit to guide me to the decision that most matches who Jesus is. I I will throw out a little bit of a warning to you here. Make sure your decision matches Jesus' peace and not our own. I've seen people many times over the years claim and say, oh, I have a lot of peace about this. But they are, quite honestly, making the easiest choice that brings their human nature peace. If you want to experience the peace of God, you have to replace your will with His, even if it means more work, even if it means more heartache, even if it means going into the desert, because in that place, even though I, in the human point of view of things, it doesn't look as good, you will experience a peace. That brings us to the Holy Spirit speaking to us in prompts. Students, following the Holy Spirit is not an exact science, okay? And that's another part of where I struggle with my personality. I like to get things right. And sometimes I allow the fear of making a mistake to stop me from trying. And while I may not fail, I also won't succeed because I'm doing nothing. See, part of listening and letting the Holy Spirit lead us is to take a risk. Uh, you got to listen and be aware of those small Holy Spirit prompts in your life. A couple weeks ago, the staff in the Gibby years were at uh, Light. It's a regional conference for Chi Alpha staff. And in one of the breakout s- sessions, the speaker was talking about how he knew what to speak on weekly at service. And he called it a holy hunch. You might not know every detail. You might not know what's going to happen if you follow those holy hunches. But we need to be sensitive enough to the Holy Spirit to recognize what He's doing around us. I'm here, right? 
I'm standing in front of you. I'm real. Guess who else is here? The Holy Spirit. You may not be able to see Him, but He is as real as you and I, and He is in this room. He is all around us. What He is not is an inert mute that does nothing. That is not what Jesus sent to us. You need to understand that the Holy Spirit leaves fingerprints in our lives. He puts His hands on everything around us. And these are subtle things that even Julie talked about during worship. Subtle highlights that the Lord puts on us. And situations that He wants, us to, wants to use us in to advance His kingdom. Easy example of this. Last night at prayer, Jackson came up to me and was like, Hey Tom, I feel like God wants me to pray for you. Okay, Jackson, pray away, man. I'll take it. He felt prompted by the Holy Spirit. He prayed for me, and it's what I needed to hear in the moment. Thank you, Jackson, for being obedient. Students, this, in my mind, is the purpose of Monday night prayer. I want it to be, for lack of a better words, uh, a Holy Spirit lab where people learn to hear God's voice and respond to His prompts. I'm just putting it out there. Sometimes we try to avoid His voice. Sometimes we try to avoid those prompts. He doesn't want that. And you see, I believe that one of the biggest mistakes many Christians make is not immediately responding to the prompts of the Holy Spirit. We allow fear and doubt to stop us from following God's leading in our lives. And not only does the person that we are supposed to minister to miss out, it sets a bad precedent in our life not to follow God's leading. Because you see, when we don't follow God's prompts, it becomes easier not to follow His prompts the next time He's trying to speak to us. And we keep on ignoring him and ignoring him until we get to the point that we don't even notice him anymore. Then, who is actually leading your life? He's here for a purpose, folks. And that brings us to the last P. The Holy Spirit uses the prophetic to lead our lives. Yes, in Chi Alpha, we believe that the Holy Spirit will speak to us. We believe that He uses the prophetic. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it tells us that the Holy Spirit is the source of all spiritual gifts, and He gives people these gifts so that we can help each other. Not for your fame, not for your glory, not for anything to help each other. In that list includes the ability to prophesy. Prophecy is basically a revelation of what's to come. No one knows except the Father. In this general category, I'll throw in, you know, maybe words of wisdom that maybe the only the person you speak to would know, whatever. 
obviously, we believe that the Holy Spirit will speak directly to you. But there are times in your life where there are usually at major crossroads where Jesus is wanting to give you special counsel. And in those moments, He will use people to prophesy over you. You may pray. You may have peace. You may even feel the Holy Spirit's prompt. But you may also need a little bit more encouragement to go the direction that the Lord is leading. That's when the Holy Spirit will use the prophetic to speak over us. And understandably so, there are a lot of people that are kind of cautious about this whole prophetic thing. I get it. There are cases of manipulation and abuse by so-called prophets. There are some people who think they're prophetic and aren't prophetic, okay? We had a guy in Chi Alpha, not here, who I like to say, he batted about 300 in the prophetic. Great at baseball, awful in the prophetic. But just because they're dumb people doesn't mean we throw out what God wants to do. 1 Thessalonians 5, 20-21 tells us, Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Hold on to what's good. Not what we like. Not what we want to hear. But what is good. And only God is good. Compare what is being said to you to the Lord. And I think it's a little bit easier to understand in these terms too. We are Christ's ambassadors, correct? We are God's mouthpiece on this earth to project light, to project truth to those around us. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will tell us what to say. So, if the Holy Spirit uses the prophetic to lead you, test it. If it's true and good, follow that guidance. Here's the thing, a lot of people, you see in the Bible over and over again, prophets go to the God's people and no one listens to them. Because it wasn't pleasant. It's not what they wanted to hear. It doesn't make it not the truth. Students, the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's leading can be transformational in our lives if we choose to follow Him. And yet, I feel a lot of times it's similar to the experience of salvation. We get saved, we stay in that meadow. We never move forward. Holy Spirit, we discover Him. Maybe get baptized in the Holy Spirit, speak in tongues, that's all great and stuff. And then we stay in that meadow. And we never continue to venture out with God's Spirit to do our purpose on this earth. You want to know what this campus needs and what our campuses in this town need? They need a move of the Holy Spirit. It's not going to happen without you. The Lord has chosen to use men and women, the men and women in this room, to work through, to do the miraculous, to speak in prophecy, to change people's lives. Stop waiting for the Holy Spirit to do what He wants to do through you. 
follow his leading. He's never going to lead you astray, folks. David makes it clear in the 23rd Psalm that our shepherd wants to lead his sheep. He wants to lead them to these green meadows and beside peaceful streams. He leads us so that we are provided for and prepared for what's next. He'll use the Holy Spirit to guide us in our lives. His leading isn't in question. The question is, who are we following? A journey that should have lasted the Hebrews less than a year turned into 40 years because they stopped following where the Lord was trying to lead them. We have to make a choice. Will we follow the Lord wherever He's taken us? Knowing that He will provide everything we need or will we follow someone or something else? Students, we're sheep. You may think you're a smart sheep. You're a sheep. It's in our nature to follow. Even those with uh, leadership personalities will follow something. A person, a doctrine, or an idea. And the only one that's going to lead us to the promised land is our good shepherd, Jesus Christ. He's leading you tonight. He's in this room. We still have to choose to follow him. Go ahead and bow your heads, close your eyes. Tonight, we've talked a lot about God's leading. 